Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor. The easiest way to shop for the best tickets thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Football fans, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NFL tickets. All you have to do is use promo code BSNFL. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Origins. A brand new podcast from our old friend Jim Miller that just dropped today, September 6th. He wrote the best-selling oral histories of CAA, ESPN, and SNL. He's done some great podcasts on this podcast. Origins explores the beginnings in the world of film, TV, music, and sports. First-hand stories of the stars that made it happen. Chapter 1, five episodes. All of them are up. You can binge listen to it. Curb your enthusiasm. Featuring Larry David and the crew. Binge listen. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget about Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Football in full swing. Him and the Degenerate Trifecta will be breaking down um, picks and props every week. That We're taping those Wednesday night. goes up Thursday. If you miss me and Sal, we did guest the lines for week one and also talked about uh, NFL Futures, which we put up yesterday if you missed it. The Ringer NFL Show also heating up GM Street with Lombardi and Tate and also Tuesdays and Fridays, Clark and Mays. And we also have on Larry Wilmer's podcast this week, old friends, John Favreau, John Lovett. They used to be on the Keeping It 1600 pod that we had on The Ringer. And now they have Pod Saves America, Pod Save America, um, which has taken off even more with this whole <laughs> Trump craziness. But uh, you can subscribe to all those. If you go to ringer.com, click podcasts and about 19 awesome podcasts will come up for you. Coming up, we're going to talk to Shea Serrano. In Houston, we're going to talk to my buddy Jacko about this Red Sox scandal. And we're going to talk to the new Chargers kicker, Young Wei Koo. Coming up first, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Pearl Jam. All right, before we get to everybody, I wanted to talk about uh, last night's fantasy draft. You heard Sal and I talk about it yesterday on the BS Podcast. Every year, the champ gets to vote somebody out. Only four people in the draft had not been voted out yet. I was one of the four people, and I thought my time might be coming. Our friends Tall John and Jamie were the champs. Jamie is somebody that I've known for 20 years, going back to my Digital City Boston days. I had an NFL picks pool in 1997 on my Digital City Boston sports guy site. And he was one of the 10 people in the pool. He was 16 years old. He was funny. He became one of my first mailbag people. When I went to ESPN.com, eventually I hired him as an intern. Um, eventually helped him get a job at Jimmy Kimmel's show. So, of course, I, they decided it was going to be either me or their friend Kyle that they are going to vote out. Because mm-hmm. it was the funniest move. I actually approved it. It was the funniest move to vote me out. You Take, felt it. I feel like you felt it. I did. Before. I felt it all week. I could tell from the lack of emails. So they couldn't decide which one's funnier. And they had me and Kyle play Connect Four. <laughs> nice. They brought out this Connect Four game. Uh, the red chips had my face on it. The blue chips had Kyle's face. And the rule was they were going we to play two games at Connect Four. And if we tied both games, then it would go to the envelopes. And they had each pick somebody to get voted out. The stretch with that was if it went to the envelopes, they both wrote Damashek's name in there, and Damashek would have been voted out again. <laughs> so we played Connect Four. I tried to pretend I didn't know how to play Connect Four. Meanwhile, I've played it a bunch of times and played with my son. And 
obviously have studied the Rondo tapes extensively. Mm-hmm. extensively. So we go, I start building up the middle. Um, about 20 pieces in, I have three in a row going diagonal. And Kyle's about, Kyle's putting in and he's going back and forth. And he has a partner named Tony who wasn't allowed to speak. And Tony's going, <laughs> and Kyle's just going back and forth. And he just misses my three diagonals and puts it somewhere else. And I win. And I get to stay in the league. Connect four. <laughs> now, is is have I learned how to play under pressure from the great Tom Brady? I don't know. I don't oh. know if that was part of it. I tried to calm myself down like Brady does and just concentrate on the game and take it one chip at a time. Did you have a concussion? No. I, I think I almost got concussed when I celebrated. Uh, so anyway, uh, there is video coming. I think Sal was videotaping it, but one of the most dramatic Connect Four games ever played. Mm. So there you go. And uh, and I picked a relatively crappy team. I didn't do a lot of homework because I thought I was going to get voted out. You got Breeze and Willie Sneed. That's good. You I got, got the yeah. I got the hookup. Rookie running backs. Dalvin I went Cook, with the rookies. McCaffrey. I took Cook. I took McCaffrey. I went big on Jordan Howard because I like him. And then uh, Brandon Cooks. And then I was overpaid for Brandon Cooks, but I didn't care because I really wanted Brandon Cooks. Then took a bunch of flyers on a whole bunch of. Burkhead jar- still in the draft. Burkhead one dollar, but I have uh, I put it on Instagram. I took I just rolled the dice with a bunch of Jarvis Landry, Kevin. White, all those kind of guys hoping to hit, get lucky with two. But anyway, I survived yet another year. We were saying like the last person not to get voted out is that's like a p- particular great honor, right? Well, you become Jeff Probst of the league. Yeah, you, you always survive. I should just yeah, I should just keep going from that point on. So the most shocking thing from the draft was David Johnson went for seventy one dollars. And Le'Veon Bell went for 69. We've never had running back prices like that. Nice. And Crazy Brad, who threatened your life a couple weeks ago on this podcast, he spent all of his money on Odo Beckham, Julio Jones, and one other $50 receiver, and had $11 left about 40 minutes into it, put on his headphones and watched Jaws <laughs> on his iPad as the draft went on. And then it would come around and he would throw out $1 guys. So... <laughs> so, I, I feel like Brad visualizes himself as a shark in Jaws. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, we're going to call uh, Shea Serrano right now. He's in Houston. And um, he's going to give us an update on everything going on with the hurricane there. All right. On the line, the ringer Shea Serrano. He is in Houston. He lives in Houston. He evacuated Houston last week and uh, and came back on Friday and... He was supposed to come on the pod Friday, but it, he didn't get back in time, and we wanted to have him on and find out what's going on there. He also did a lot of good work um, already to raise some money for everybody there. Shay, how are you? Buffalo Bill, what up, sir? Let me know what it's like there. Uh, right now, it's fine. I mean, it's as fine as it can be, considering we just had one of the worst floods in American history. But... The, the general mood, I would say, is sort of, it's upticking now. We're, everybody's starting to feel a little bit better, getting our legs underneath us. Um, there's a lot of construction going on. You can see people rebuilding, which it's a sucky process, but also an invigorating one when you watch it happen. Yeah. So you're, you're watching it. You went to where? You went to San Antonio? That's correct. My That's where my family lives. So... I was in L.A. when all of this stuff started happening. My wife started texting me, telling me there was a big storm coming, this and that. 
Uh, so I just had them, you know, send me to San Antonio rather than Houston. And then she met me at the airport with the boys. Because we had been, our area has flooded the last three years in a row, right around the same time, right around Memorial Day. Um, so I was, you know, I don't want to play that game again. We got flooded in last year. We got flooded in the year before that. So we had a little advance warning this time. That's why we left. I don't, I don't want to do that again. So you're watching from San Antonio and you have no idea what's going on in your neighborhood. Right. We had, uh, there, were, there ended up being a couple of people who stayed, a bunch of our uh, neighbors, but specifically the woman across from us and then two doors down from us, they were both there. So every once in a while they would send us pictures showing, you know, here's where the water is, this is what's looking like here. But by, this was the, Saturday night is when it really was hitting hard and you, you start seeing a bunch of pictures from everybody else of houses just underwater. You could just search, I live in an area called Meyerland. You could straight up just search Meyerland on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and it was just pictures and pictures of people heartbroken with their houses three, four, five feet underwater. It was insane. And you you were really active on social media <clears throat> trying to help people, which, um, I, you know, listen, there there's nothing really good about this story, obviously, but the, the one kind of inspiring thing was watching people on social media just quickly helping as many people as they possibly could. You were one of those people. How, how much did you sleep those three days? Not a great deal, especially Saturday night was a, was a tough one because that's when you were watching it go up and we were getting our messages and it was like, okay, the water is at the curb. The next one, the water is up to the tree in our front yard. The next one is at the front door. You're saying, holy shit. Yeah. This is real. Um, and then just combined with all the other pictures we were t- we were seeing pop up on the on the internet. My wife is mostly on Facebook. I'm mostly on Twitter, and we're just showing them back and forth. And like, you're very anxious that time because when w- water gets in your house, like it, you're done. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing we can do until we get back. We're 200 miles away, and it's just yeah. It wasn't a, a, a whole bunch of of sleeping. So I guess that's a way to burn off that energy. I was trying to do as much as I could through Twitter, which isn't a great deal, but it was something. And it seemed like for, I mean, there were a couple, there was a couple of misinformation moments with Twitter, but for the most part, it seemed like all that stuff was, was working, right? Yeah, it did this time. That's what I was the most surprised about is maybe because it's been in our lives long enough now, seven, eight, nine years. It's just more intuitive. People sort of understand the best way to use it. So after people got their feet under them yeah it felt like okay these are the people who are who are signal boosting there are people coming in behind them who are setting up google docs and spreadsheets and like interactive maps showing what's flooded what's not who needs rescue it was very cool to watch happen over those over those two or three days were you were you surprised that you had neighbors that stayed i was yes because again we we flood all the time so I was surprised that they stayed, but I was also n- not that surprised because even in San Antonio, knowing what's going on here, I I felt like I need to be back home. I, I wanted to be there. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't until the like the boats came through the neighborhood and started just scooping everybody up that we're saying, okay, I, like I'm all the way glad that we left now because everybody is gone. But yeah, it, it's a it's a tricky situation to be in. What was it like coming back to the city and seeing parts of it that you're just so used to seeing? you know, look like the city that you're in every day. And all of a sudden there's, it's a river. That was a really weird moment. Now we stayed, we stayed in San Antonio for eight days. 
we got there on Thursday. We didn't leave until the, the following Friday. And we were expecting for all of the water to be drained already when we got back. And then driving in, we, there's a freeway that connects San Antonio to Houston called I-10. We're on I-10, and we get to Katy, which is a, a suburb of, of Houston. And they've still got, they've got, like, exits closed, and there's two or three feet of water just right there where there should not be. And it was really like, like oh, my God, this is a very serious thing. It's, it's always hard to tell how serious things are when you're just looking at pictures. Even if you see a picture of the freeway underwater, it's still just a picture of the freeway underwater. Yeah. But when you see it in real life, it's, it's, it's uh, breathtaking almost. Like, you don't know how to comprehend it. Right. You don't know what to, what to do or what to say. You're just saying, God damn. Um, what, how is Houston different? You wrote about this on Friday for the ringer and now it's, um, we're taping this on Wednesday, late morning, West coast time. How much has changed in Houston just in the last five days with how everything looks other than the rebuilding stuff? It looks way better, but mostly all of the water is gone. Now there are certain pockets where people have still not gotten to get back in their homes. Yeah. But just driving around the city. The only thing that's truly different is they have a bunch of roads that are closed off. So there's traffic, more traffic than usual, or there's traffic where there otherwise wouldn't be. But if you just got dropped into Houston today and made a lap around the city, you wouldn't be able to to tell until you got off the freeways and drove into the neighborhood and saw all of the the wreckage. So you have, uh, you have some rabid fans that you call the FOH and, uh, and you rallied them pretty quickly when all this was going on. How much money have you raised so far? We did a thing for for just a few hours. We did it over the course of maybe like ten hours, and we got about a hundred and thirty four thousand dollars. Wow! Which is yeah, I was not expecting that. So what what's the plan now with people donating? What what do we know where this money should go? Yeah, so what what I did was I didn't have any idea at the time what I was going to do. I was expecting we were going to get 25, maybe 30,000 bucks, which is about the most that we've ever gotten whenever I've done one of these sorts of drives. And I just posted my Venmo and PayPal address on Twitter and said, "Okay, we're going to call this the fuck Hurricane Harvey fund or whatever. <laughs> right. And if you want to be in on it, go for it. I got 200 bucks, let's go." And then boom, yeah, uh, you know, 10 hours later, whatever, 15 hours later, we had $134,000. So what I did is I just spent the next few days looking through Houston charities and, and seeing who were the people who were really like in the mud, who were on the boats, who were out here really trying to help everybody. And uh, I just grabbed seven of those charities and we broke the money up between those ones. And uh, fortunately, while all this stuff was happening, because that's an intimidating amount of money, I've never had that much money in a PayPal or Venmo account before. Right. Uh, but... But PayPal noticed, Venmo noticed what was going on. I guess they've got a lurch or something. And then they reached out, and I was able to just be like, okay, like here's what I want to do. Can you help me do it? And they sort of handled all the back end of it. All I have to do is pass along the names and how much money we want to send them, and they get the money where it's going. Can you remember the seven charities off the top of your head? Uh, yeah, we're doing – there's one called Baker Ripley, which is a – they've been in Houston over 100 years, and they were instrumental in the – the servicing during the flood and also now after. So we've got Baker Ripley. We've got Support the Girls, which they give uh, bras and, like, feminine hygiene products to to uh, Houston, and they have got a bunch of, of uh, outlying cities as well. 
Um, there was the Houston Immigration Legal Collaboration Services, which those that was a group who was really helping the undocumented immigrant population in Houston because if you're an undocumented immigrant and you get struck by this sort of disaster, you don't get FEMA relief. You don't you don't have insurance. So it was those guys. We did Angels by Nature, which is a is a prophet of this rapper named Trey the Truth, who he's been doing service in Houston forever and he was on a whole bunch of news stations. He's still out right now, but they do Houston, uh, Port Arthur, Beaumont, like the Golden Triangle is what they call it, Corpus. Um, so we have those guys. Um, we have Houston Pet Set. And they, you know, they handle all the pet stuff. And Port Light, which they serve the disabled community during the hurricane stuff. I think that's all seven of them. I maybe missed one. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, on my Facebook, you're going to send me the seven charities. And we're going to put them with the donation links for each one for, for uh, Ringer readers and for listeners of this podcast. The Ringer is going to donate $2,500 to each of those seven charities. We'll do nice. the links and, uh, and we'll try to get some more money going. That way we'll run a post on The Ringer for it too. But um, if you love the podcast, we definitely do not ask for much from this podcast from the listeners. I think it's been free the entire time. But this would be a good time to to raise some money, help out Schaefer, an awesome cause. Um, tell us how this next six months plays out in Houston. The next six months, we're going to be recovering for a good long time. I mean, we're, we're talking about years, it seems like. Um, so mostly you'll just have these, these crews around, fixing up everything, rebuilding everything. And that's really all it is. It's like, we just have to rebuild. There's nothing else you can do. You can either fix it or complain about it. And, you know, everybody in Houston has decided, well, let's just go ahead and fix this shit. So here we are. And fortunately for, for me and my, and my, where we live, we ended up not getting flooded. There's like a strip of houses that are just a little bit higher than everybody else, maybe four or five houses on the block. And all of the houses, surrounding houses around us got hit crazy hard. And then us, we, the water got up to the door and then it stopped. So I don't want to make it seem like I was super hit by this as well because I wasn't. It's just the people around us. So right. those are who we're trying to help. I have I have one sports question for you. And <laughs> All right. And, and I don't, I'm not making light of anything that happened with this hurricane, obviously, but we've seen so many times when something happens to a city, something that's bad, sports has a way of intervening and lifting the spirits up of the people in the city and stuff like that. Can you feel that happening with the Texans? Because J.J. Watt got the most involved of just about anybody. I think he's raised over $20 million. How can the Texans kind of ease the pain here over these next five, six months? For, for that, you know, I don't think they, they need to win all of their games or this needs to be some story that ends with them in the Super Bowl. All that needs to happen here is we just need to see their faces. The thing with J.J. was great because it wasn't like, oh, here we go, we're going to go undefeated this season. It was just more like we know that our guy sees what's happening and he wants to help and here's how he's going to try to help. And yeah. that's really all you need. You saw the same thing with, when Katrina hit with the Saints because they didn't do anything great that season. They had the, one, the first game back and it was this really emotional thing. Yeah. But for the rest of the time, it was just like they're in the community and everybody is sort of rallying around them. That's all we need from these guys. And it seems so far 
that's what we've seen from from them, from the Rockets, from the the, the Dash. To I mean, all everybody is out here just. Everybody's helping, and it's really cool to watch. Well, and you have the Astros that are going to be in the playoffs too. It's and mm-hmm. the Rockets are going to be a top four team. Like it, this is, you have these high profile teams with high profile stars in this situation that really have a chance to do some good. And it seemed, you know, JJ Watt has stepped up the most, but I think a bunch of it sounds like a bunch of people on all the different teams have really stepped up. And I think the New right. Orleans, the New Orleans Katrina model is a great model. Like. The Saints went into the city that year and they tried to make a difference. And it feels like that could happen here too, right? Yeah, it exactly feels like that. All right. So we're gonna put all, we're gonna put the links to the seven charities on the Facebook and maybe we'll do a little ringer post on it too. So if you guys out there want to help out um and raise a little more money for everything that's going on, I mean, Lord knows how much money this is gonna take to uh rebuild and fix a lot of the stuff that happened, but Every little bit helps. Um, thanks for doing the legwork on all those charities too, because I know that um, I know that especially the first couple days, there nobody, everybody feels kind of burned by how st- certain stuff has gone with charities and not knowing where the money goes and stuff like that. And I know that you put right. in, you put in a ton of time trying to figure out. All right, these five, six, seven. I want to find the most that makes sense. So we appreciate that you did that too. Yeah. Hang in there. Um, I will see you next month. We have another, our first rewatchables podcast that we did um, was one of the great hours of podcast history. We broke down point break. <laughs> you, you, you can, you, the, my favorite part was when I asked who everybody would be in the, in the bank robbery crew. And you said your wife would be the one that jumps on the counter and tells everybody to get down. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just magic, the whole thing. So we got to figure out another good action movie for that. But tell the fam to stay safe. Say hi to everybody in Houston for us. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thanks to Shay. Quick break to talk about Peloton. Want the convenience of joining a group cycling class whenever you want, only right in your own living room? Skip the commute to the gym. Don't get hit by stray sweat drops from other people. Let the workouts come to you. Get yourself a cutting-edge indoor cycling bike from Peloton and bring live studio classes right to your home. I'm doing this, Tate. I'm getting back in shape. You know why? Because I want to play in the Drew League next summer. New classes added every day. You can try 45-minute classes, 20-minute burns, hip-hop, rock and roll, low impacts, or high-intensity. Pick live stream classes led by the world's best instructors or find your favorite class on demand. Enjoy it on a 22-inch HD touchscreen, performance tracking metrics, real-time leaderboard. That stuff keeps you motivated. You can ride live with the entire Peloton community that's spread across the entire country right in your living room or in my case my office right now peloton go to pelotoncycle.com enter the code bill simmons at checkout and get 20 percent off accessories with your peloton bike purchase you can even listen to this podcast while working your butt off on a cutting edge indoor bike go to pelotoncycle.com p-e-l-o-t-o-n cycle.com use the code bill simmons get started right now Coming up, Jacko. All right, on the line, my buddy Jacko. He's been coming on this podcast for 10 years. We have a few rules. One of them is that if one of our teams get uh, gets caught in a giant cheating scandal, the other guy gets to come on and gloat. Or if it was Jacko, he'd have to call in and I'd get to gloat. But this is my team. <laughs> There's an Apple Watch scandal. Uh, people are most shocked that anyone was still using an Apple Watch, but... Jacko, was, uh, I know it's been a rough year for you 
with Trump and, and Aaron Judge's <laughs> sad career collapse, but this had to bring some joy to your life finally, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is the highlight of the second half for me so far. I was so excited yesterday when I was busy at work and then somebody tweeted it at me, this New York Times story, and I, I was as gleeful as the time that the New York Times also broke the big poppy uh, cheating story. So it's really good work by the New York Times. Twice every 10 years, they really do something for me. So this was a big one. I was very happy and excited to see it. And it was, of course, par for the course. I can't say I was shocked by this behavior. But, I mean, this is what happens in Boston. This is this is what, you know, obviously Belichick has taught them well. And, you know, that's what win champ- wins championships, I guess. Just win, baby, any, by any means necessary. <laughs> Your words hurt. Um, yeah, you mentioned the big poppy thing. I mean, yeah, I feel like he's been partially exonerated for that. Nobody knows what, what substance it was. It could have been like, like Tylenol who knows. Right. I've never gotten a satisfactory explanation and I'll be honest. I don't have a satisfactory explanation this time around either. I don't know what happened. Maybe they just have (laughs) Apple watches. Who knows? Well, the th- I mean, the thing is, like, one of these unwritten rules of baseball, obviously, is that, well, and it's not even a rule of baseball, but everybody tries to steal signs. Yes. Like, you know, there's old legendary coaches. Don Zimmer was kept around forever because he was supposedly, like, the best guy ever at stealing signs. And he, he knew all of them. And, and you know, the, he could whisper in Tory's ear during the Yankees' ear. So uh, I'm not going to get on my high horse and be outraged about stealing signs because it's a baseball tradition. But... One of the unwritten rules of baseball, or perhaps even a written rule of baseball, is that when you start using electronic devices, yeah, it's a whole different it's a whole different animal. You know, the the great Bobby Thompson off Ralph Branca, the shot heard around the world, that whole comeback from the Giants in '51, one of the legendary moments in baseball, is to me somewhat tainted in recent years. When a, a I forget it was a book or a magazine article, some story came out. I think it was a book, and I actually think I read the book. I'm getting old; I don't remember things, but. The guy wrote a book, and the Giants talked about how they were stealing signs. They had a guy in center field with a telescope, and they used like some sort of an electronic buzzer, which they would buzz on the bench, and it was like one for a fastball and two for a curve. And then somebody on the bench would throw a towel in the air if it was going to be a curve. So, right. you know, it's not that they were just stealing signs. They were using, like, some buzzer system and a telescope, and it, it sort of taints things. Like, if it's one thing if you're on the bench and, you're trying to look at the guy's fingers. You're trying to sneak a peek at the plate. But when you start using electronic devices, it, it really taints things, and you're getting kind of far afield from the old good-timey sign, sign stealing, you know. And the Red Sox apparently used some, you know, had some Apple Watch thing where the trainer wore an Apple Watch. And I don't know how it really was. I, didn't, I don't quite understand. I, I read the story, but I read it quickly. Somebody would see what the sign was, and they would somehow relay it to his Apple Watch, and then you know they'd give it to Pedroia, who would yell out "fastball" or "curveball" or whatever. Is that the deal? <laughs> it's that's so stupid. No wonder they got caught. This is like the, <laughs> if that's I know, how they it's like did a Rube it. Rube Goldberg thing. Oh right. Isn't that the deal? It is like it seems there'd be simpler ways, you know, of doing it. I, I, you know, I don't quite get it, but you know, they use an electronic device. They're dirty cheaters. You know, the Yankees probably should ask for, like, a player in compensation, maybe like Chris Sale, but they might want somebody good. So um, I'm oh not sure God. if he would do the trick. That, <laughs> that, <laughs> Plus, they own Chris Sale, so we'd, we'd rather bat against him, I think, than really get him on our team. But, yeah, you don't want uh, any of our pitchers. You don't want any starting no. pitchers on the Red Sox against them because all of them <laughs> no. have failed against the Yankees. The, uh, but as happy as I, I was so happy yesterday when this broke, and, of course, I, I got a lot of, like, you know, Twitter Ability, Twitter tweets about it to you know throw throw some shade and 
talk some smack. So I, I did enjoy that repartee with the Red Sox followers, the fans that follow me. But then last night was just like, uh, it was like Black Tuesday. I mean, the Yankees had a 6-2 lead when I went to bed. The Red Sox were losing 2 to nothing and like had like three hits against the Blue Jays. And like, my God, we could close it to a game and a half. And then I wake up and see that the Red Sox won and the Yankees lost. It was just, just horrible. Horrible karma. I think the most horrible part of that story is you went to bed at like nine o'clock. How how old are you? Are you like sixty eight? <laughs> no, what happened? It was, it was it was not nine o'clock. The Yankees game was delayed. It didn't start until nine fifteen. So I went to bed. It was probably like eleven o'clock, and they were winning. It was six to two. Uh, can I make my defenses now? Of course. Um, I live in America, where you're innocent yeah. until proven guilty. <laughs> True. It's one of the things I love about this country. Now, granted, the well, country is being ripped to shreds. For, <laughs> one, one, I'm not sure we still have that anymore in this country. I'm not sure Trump might have, Trump might have tweeted out something about that. Secondly, that is the you know, that is the standard of proof in a court of law, but in the court of public opinion, there there is no such standard of proof. Okay. I'm, I'm willing to accept it already. Once I heard Dustin Pedroia was involved, I knew it was, there was guilt. I know. That's all I needed. If the roles were reversed and this was like the year 2000 and the Yankees were involved and Paul O'Neill was the one shouting the signals, I would just assume it was true. I just would have believed it. Of course. I wouldn't want to hear any counter evidence. Um, I would argue another thing in the Red Sox case is that if you've watched some of the guys on the team hit, there's no way possible they were stealing signs. Like As I tweeted yesterday, Xander Bogarts has left over 3,500 guys on base since the All-Star break. Right. I know for a fact he wasn't stealing signs. Um, and then my third defense would be, what about, how do we know the Yankees don't do this? What about the yes cameras? What about that whole thing? The Red Sox feel like the Yankees do it with the yes cameras. I love that. That was like after, that was like after my wife and I catch like one of our daughters, you know, bullying the other one. And then the other one says, well, she did it to me first. It was like a clap. It was exactly what the Red Sox did. Anybody with more than one kid has seen this before. Like when you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar you try to throw some blame on the other kids. So the Red Sox made some allegation about the, you know, the Yankees and the Yes Network or whatever. Right. I mean, every team, every game is on TV. Every team has access to cameras in the clubhouse. Unless yeah. and until you're, the Yankees were relaying it with, you know, uh, with, through text messages or some electronic signals. Again, they're, they're completely innocent. That was like such a tit for tat. It was ridiculous. Well, some, one of the silver linings is the season was falling apart, and this appeared to have galvanized the team. They won in 18 innings last night, and, uh, right. and maybe it needed an us-against-the-world Spygate-type cheating scandal to really bring this team together. It also distracted everyone from the fact that the season was falling apart. Now we get to talk about this, yeah. and then here comes the Patriots. But, you know, I was thinking about, I think it was 1981, um, when the Celtics won the NBA title and beat the Rockets in the finals mm-hmm. that year, CBS was using, um, they were, they were, had the cameras in the huddle when, oh, yeah. when the guys were like, all right, here's what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. And Bill Fitch somehow realized that at some point, either in the Eastern finals or in the finals. And during the last four minutes of the game, when it would come out of timeout and everybody's in the huddle, he would actually send a player in the locker room to run back like they had to go to the bathroom, and they would watch it on TV <laughs> right. and find out what was happening. The guy would run back and be like, oh, they're going to go to Moses Malone in the left block. So That had to be Red Arback's idea, though, no? I mean, yeah. wasn't he, I mean, people forget, but Red Arback was Bill Belichick before there was Bill Belichick. Oh, my God. Yeah, he used to shut off in the terms AC. Of gamesmanship yeah. and, right, jacking up the heat and turning, you know, turning off the hot water in the showers and 
the whole nine yards, right? He was Belichick before Belichick. Yeah. I love them both. I don't know what to so tell you. All your you. teams cheat, basically. And so basically, every one of your teams cheat. Well, I thought, what do the Bruins do? What do the Bruins do? Like melt the ice in their own end or something? Like what goes on there? The Bruins just cheat their fans <laughs> by not spending enough money. The, uh, I, thought, I thought you were going to throw the Celtics at me. They tried to trade Isaiah Thomas, and it turned out his, his right. hip was... But it really does seem like they claimed that they uh, they told the Cavs everything, and the Cavs knew that his hip sure. was hurt. But even that one could be spun well, against them. You could, yeah, I mean, you, that one's on the Cavs, though, because you have to know, like, if you're trading for damaged goods, Right. You know, like you, you, you get to do a physical on the guy. So if they still go through with it, you know that's not, that's on them. You can't be, you can't trade for a guy and like, you know, then he's he's got one hip. That's on you. It seems like uh, there's no going back now with Boston sports fans. We're just going to be cheaters, and maybe we just have to own yeah. it. Like the North Korean dictator owns the bad haircut that really pushes his villainry <laughs> yeah. over the top. Maybe this is just right. our bad haircut. We just got to own that. Yeah. Uh, that stuff happens with you Boston know, teams. Everything balances out. So you've had an unparalleled run of success over the course of the past what fifteen years. We sure have. With you know five Super Bowls, three three World Series, a Stanley Cup or two. Was you win two Stanley Cups, one and a couple. Yeah. Of, how many the Celtics win? Two. No, one Stanley Cup, uh, one NBA title, five Super Bowls, and three World Series. That adds up to ten. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, I just dropped my phone. Uh, so you, you've got ten <laughs> rings, ten Those championships, ten, ten, ten titles. You could couldn't hold the phone. You dropped me. it. God, I'm going to I'm going to bed at nine o'clock. I can't hold my phone. My God, <laughs> time for my kids to time for my kids to execute that living will. Um, but so maybe you know you got all these championships, but to balance that out, you you are tainted with being <laughs> perceived by the rest of the country as cheaters. Now you'll take that trade off any day of the week, obviously, but yeah. you know, this is the cross you have to bear. You get your ten parades and your ten rings, but everybody hates you and thinks you're cheaters. I wanna be clear. So that's I, the way it goes. I wanna be clear with you. The cross we have to bear is Kurt Schilling. All of this other stuff are minor <laughs> crosses. Kurt Schilling is right. the giant huge wooden cross one. outside the Boston Sports Cathedral that uh is cracked uh, and falling over. But um, that's the best part. That's the only redeeming thing for 2004 for me is that you know he's the face of that with his bloody sock and and now what he's become, <laughs> where he's like Trump but worse. That, that's fantastic that the fan base has to live with that anchor around them. That's good. That that makes me happy. We were re- redoing my son's room because you know my son goes in phases and he had this huge hockey phase when we did his room. So he had some hockey posters in there, and now he's like just completely. A one million percent in on baseball, and I actually think this is going to stick. But he wanted to put, he wanted to replace the hockey posters with the baseball posters. And as you know, I've had what thirty plus years of posters at this point, Um, going back to college, framed all this stuff, and a lot of them were in our garage. So we went out and grabbed some, and uh, and he was like, (laughs) it was like, hey, here's Carlton Fist Homer, and I I just had all these things that we just don't have room for in the house because you realize as you get older, you don't have room for all this stuff. And one of the things was this painting I had bought of the 2004 Red Sox celebrating. And he was just so enamored with it. He's looking at it and he's like, who's each guy? Because we had watched some of the games and he knows some of the guys in that team now. And I'm like, and that's Kurt Schilling. And he's like, Kurt Schilling, the bloody sock guy. And I'm like, 
Yeah, the bloody sock guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's who Kurt Schilling is. He's the bloody sock guy. Let's go with that. Yeah, let's keep that narrative going. But yeah, right. it's it's just it's a tough one to look at. Man, he was prominently involved in that 04. God, yeah. But, right, absolutely. Um, he was the guy. Yeah, so anyway, my son was very upset yesterday. That was what, one outcome from this that I did not expect. I came back from my fantasy football draft. He was still up. And he's like, I don't like the Red Sox anymore. And I'm like, what? And he's like, they cheated. They used an Apple Watch. They cheated. And I'm like, wow. And so I went through the whole thing of, you know, you got to let's wait to see how it plays out. And he he was just really upset about it. Doesn't like cheating. You're raising him the right way with morals. That's good. That's good. But I'm really not because we played Monopoly and he cheated like two days ago. My son's like the biggest (laughs) cheater there is. I would have thought he would have respected the Apple Watch. But I do think See, he's in a tough he's in a tough spot there too because he's three thousand miles away from the cone of protection in Boston yes. where yeah. everybody would circle the wagons and say eh, they they just against us you know and all that he's out in L A. Oh, that's already started. Flag. That's in already a Dodger, started. Presumably a Dodger country or Angel country, and um, you know he, he's there's nobody to circle the wagons with him. Let me tell you something. Angel Country is about a three mile radius in Orange County. You can pass through it at sixty Trout. miles an hour for about a minute. You left out <laughs> Yeah. Chad, you left out one thing that I think is a key element of this. Our team, our baseball team, now under attack, owns the Boston yeah. Globe. We're good. That's right. Wait till the counter stories. We got this. Absolutely. There's no question. There's no question. Well, we're gonna you know, I tweeted out yesterday the equivalent of deflate gate that they called the trainer the spy guy because he loves James Bond. We're, we're only right. a couple days away from that whole story. I, I also think, you know, it don't be so funny. Wait, we never did hear whatever became of, like, Jablonski and McNally or whatever the two guys were that were involved with the Flategate. Is one of yeah. them now the trainer for the Red Sox? Oh, <laughs> come on, Johnny. <laughs> Is he the guy? That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? If he was the Apple Watch guy and the deflator, that would be fantastic. A, a couple of my Red Sox fan friends have been making the jokes that Henry is – John Henry, the Red Sox owner, who also kind of owns the Boston Globe, that he's fervently, he has the reporters on the case to try to dig up either more Spygate or more Deflategate stuff, or like Jablonski, like, no, just to find some sort of Patriot story to deflect the Red Sox story, because what do they care about the Patriots? They could uh, right, right. dig up some new stuff, and then that would take the... Or maybe dig up some Isaiah Thomas trade stuff or just anything that's right. not about the Red Sox. That's what happens when oh, your baseball really? team owns the local paper. Not sure. great. Remember the Terry Francona piece? Get, yeah, they got to get Bob Holer on the case digging up some dirt, like going through the going through somebody's garbage looking for prescriptions or something, yeah. Yeah, by the time they were done with Terry Francona, he was like uh, Brian Cranston in season five of Breaking Bad. <laughs> Exactly. He was a criminal who had to be put away. Meanwhile, he's this great manager who's going to beat them in the playoffs again. Um, I know. Meanwhile, the Indians have won 40 games in a row or something. Johnny, let's not let um, the the rumors of it, let's call it the rumors, because we don't don't really know what's going on yet about this cheating scandal, the possibility of a cheating scandal. Let's not Uh let this um, overshadow the collapse of Aaron Judge's career. (laughs) <laughs> it's been a rough second half. I'm not. I wish I could spin it, but it's been a rough second half. I just want that to read you his. Uh, killed him. I want to read you his second half stats. I, I don't know if you're aware yeah, of them. I, believe me, I'm all too aware. He's hitting 183. Yeah. On, on base at 350. That's solid. Slugging 355. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
he has struck out. God, I can't. It doesn't even fit into the column. Seventy-three times yeah. already. He's got 182 strikeouts. He's potentially, if his batting average can go down a little bit more, he could be the first guy to hit for half of what he hit in the first half. I think in the history of the major mm. leagues, it's got to be sad yeah. for you. I mean, you bought all the jerseys and you right. know you all hail, all rise. What was it? All rise. What do you say now? All rise. Yeah. What do you say now well, in the JJ bats? Well, we still say all rise, but we don't say it as often. We uh, we muttered under your breath a lot, <laughs> pretty much. Yes. I mean, yeah, he's had a terrible second half. Now, I, I don't. They claim he has some mysterious shoulder ailment, but mm. I don't know if the shoulder is limiting him. Yeah, I don't know if the league. I don't know if the league caught up to him. I don't know if he's like tired because he's played more games than he has before. Um, I don't know if the All Star game and the home run derby finished him off, but there's no question. I mean. He's been awful. He's taking some terrible swings. He's starting to like. He's starting to press. You can see it at the plate when he when he has an over go and he's really he swings at hideous pitches that he was laying off in the first half because I think he's pressing a little bit. So, you know, he wasn't great last year when they brought him up in a in a brief snippet, and then he worked really hard in the off season and he was great. So, you know, if the league has caught up to him, he's got to catch back up and you know work hard and come back next year. Hopefully, he'll uh, he'll be on the rebound if he's got some shoulder thing. I kind of go with the Mike and the Mad Dog thing. I never use injuries as, as an excuse. If you're mm. playing, you're playing. So I, I'm not going to, you know, the Yes Network will talk about his shoulder. And, sure. You know, he's got ice on his shoulder after all the games and whatever. And I understand that. They're in the propaganda business. But but if he's playing, he's well enough to play. So, um, Johnny? yeah, it's not been great. Johnny. Not, no lie, not been great. Yeah. When you say the league is caught up to him, do you mean the the people in the league who test for oh, performing enhancing drugs, or are yeah, you saying no, like exactly. the pitchers? I just want some clarification. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What the league how's is catching up to him? What does uh, that mean? How's Hall of Famer Xander Bogarts doing these days? <laughs> are we still enshrining him in Cooperstown as an active player, or uh, what's up with that? He, I think he has a broken wrist. Hench and I, how my about, buddy Hench, um, we we he Xander Bogarts has this thing on his wrist that he hurt. It's this mm. like splint, and all he does is have these terrible swings, and he can't make contact, and just looks like a guy who's been injured for two months. And then maybe okay, that's just his Apple Watch. No, <laughs> occasionally they have like, oh, there's that splint on Bogart's wrist. It's like maybe I've that's the never uh, that's seen the this. Apple Watch Four. I think that's what he's got going on. I think there. that's yeah. the newest technology. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, do See you? The pitches is coming. Can you compare and contrast? Aaron Judge and Kevin Moss for me, or do you want, oh, come on. want to do that no, in the next podcast? Every, everybody and their brother was tweeting that at me in the first half that he was Kevin Moss part two, and he he's not Kevin Moss part two. Kevin Moss had like a good month. Okay, Aaron Judge had a good a good half, and he and he's still doing fine. He had he had some signs of life recently. He hit a home run, big home run the other day, so he hit a home run actually Sunday night against the Red Sox. So he's back. We're working on it, getting back in the swing. Is it going to hurt your feelings when Ben Intende wins the Rookie of the Year? He took no. That's bullshit. He's not going to win that. Are you he's sure? Gonna, judge took a woman. Judge took a woman to the U.S. Open the other day. It was all the talk of the tabloid. So he's he's back. He's got a he's got a woman. He's got a swing back. It's all good. Big things for the last month of the season for Aaron Judge. They were we saying again. They were saying he's going to be the next Derek Jeter. And well, I don't remember Derek Jeter having a swoon like this i gotta be honest like i I've, i feel like i was alive and cognizant of jeter's entire yeah, career i don't remember this well he's a slugger though aaron judge and they're gonna go through lulls. they're gonna go through periods where they're gonna look lost at the plate that happens 
Okay. Jeter wasn't a slugger. He was an all-around hitter. Let's, let's go. Let's take it easy. How is he doing? You worry about Mookie Betts. You take it. Easy. You worry about Mookie Betts hitting two fifty-nine or whatever he said. Oh, it's it's way worse than that because he's hitting like two fifteen since the All-Star break, and it, it's like a two-month slump. What's Hanley? What's your DH doing? He's about hitting about a two forty. Um, Ram. Hanley either he'll have a homer every three games and then he hits strikes out and hits in a double place. That's kind of what his mo is. My team's not very good. I can I, see I, why they had a reserve. I can see why they had a reserve to cheating. My team's not very good. I was actually upset that they didn't get Verlander or were not even in on on the Verlander thing at all because they were basically saying in the playoffs that they were good with Sale, then Porcello, and then right. and then uh, Pomeranz. Right. Well, I, I, oh. Price is like. Price you know, is a question mark, yeah. Should I be concerned that Doug Fister is the best pitcher on my team right now? <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Not a good sign. What, uh, when you have the funeral for Aaron Judge's MVP oh, slash God. Cy Young season, I yeah. mean uh, Rookie Cy of the Year Young, season, no, I, yeah. MVP Rookie of the Year, does the, is the ch- services for Chapman's career, does that happen the same day or the <laughs> next day? No, I think they deserve separate ceremonies. I think we'll do two separate ones. I don't want, I don't want to give them short shrift. Maybe. Yeah, it's been a problem, but it's a miracle the Yankees are still in it. Given that Judge fell apart, they had Castro's been out was out for forever. Holiday was out forever. Yeah, and Chapman stinks. I mean, you know, they've had to completely shake up their bullpen, and Chapman's been awful. And so, yeah, the fact that they're only what three and a half out now is, uh, you know, and they lead the wild card is a is a testament to how everybody else has done. You can blame Guys my like DC is really. Yeah, CC whining about people bunting was pretty sad. You it can, was great. We're bringing back the we're bringing back the rivalry. That was fantastic. It was well, now real the, bad blood. Now I like that. The rivalry's back now that there's Apple watches oh, yeah. and cheating accusations. It's it's right. back. You can uh, yelling about bunting and yelling about Apple watches. Yeah, it's like the seventies all over again. You can blame me for the um, for Chapman's collapse because my fantasy team you is got now, him on your team. Yeah, it's. We him like we traded for Roberto Osuna. We completely ruined his career. We traded Byron Buxton. He immediately became the best player in baseball. Like all anything good or bad that's happening can somehow be traced to this random collection of fantasy guys. Out, but yeah, we ruined Chapman's career. <laughs> and I think name the ki- <laughs> your team name the Kiss of Death. No, it should be called the Ring. <laughs> We're like that movie, The Ring. Uh, <clears throat> Hold on, Jacko. We got to talk about DirecTV quickly. For over 20 years, DirecTV has been the exclusive home for NFL Sunday Ticket. The only way to get every live game every Sunday. And guess what? Lots of NFL games coming on Sunday. Lots of them. Good ones. I'm excited. I'm excited for football. I've intentionally not watched or read a lot of football preseason stuff because I just want to enjoy week one, and that's what's going to happen. Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an apartment or an enrolled college student, now you can get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. To see if you're eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code Bill. Simmons. Guess what? You save 15% with that promo code. Once again, that's NFLSundayTicket.tv, promo code Bill Simmons. All right, Jacko, let's talk about Trump. Any thoughts on, on Donald Trump's last six weeks? Or? <laughs> it's, just, it's a whirlwind, I'll tell you. Um, I love this thing on this. It's so great. Last night, Twitter, political Twitter was all flame because he has this thing about DACA, you know, the delayed action for child 
something, but like basically if people came to this country illegally and they brought kids with them and then the kid has grown up here in America, Obama did this executive order to delay their being deported mm. to a country that they essentially have never, you know, certainly didn't grow up in. So Trump's, you know, followers and supporters were, are dying for him to end this to show that he's tough on immigration. And he's reticent to do so because, you know, you're taking some kid that's maybe been here for 10 years, grown up in America, and you're sending him back to some country that he's never grown up in. So there's some political ramifications of that, which Trump is nervous about. So he has Jeff Sessions come out yesterday and say, you know, we're going to end DACA in six months. And Congress has to act like if they want to enact it into law, they've got to enact it into law. He was going to be this tough negotiator. And then he sends out a tweet last night, and he's like, Congress must act. If they don't, I'll revisit it. <laughs> like, boy, what a negotiator. Like, you put a gun to my head, and then you're like, it's not loaded. You come out with a tweet and be like, it's not loaded. Like, thanks. Be great. Art of the deal. Good job. Good job, super negotiator. So fucking stupid. It's- <laughs> you know, like, why is Congress going to act in six months? Bonehead's going to do something else with it. So it's like, why are we, why are we under pressure to do anything? It feels like every week we get by where nothing major happens is a victory at this point. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just so weird to see him like go to hurricane zones and yeah. you know, he's got his USA he gotta wear he's gotta wear his USA hat on there with like forty five on the side in case we didn't know who he was or that he was the president. Although I guess that's some sort of a scam that he's He's selling them on his re-election website for 40 bucks a clip or something. So oh, no. he's trying to promote the hat, but it's just so ridiculous. Like, you're the president. And then his wife, God bless her, she's wearing the hat that says, like, Flotus. It always makes me nervous, like, in local politics or when somebody has to wear, like, a sash that says mayor or whatever. He's got to wear the hat that says, like, USA. It's like, we know who you are. You don't need to, like, wear a hat or, like, a sash. Give me a break. I wonder but- how the other countries perceive him because like you think about how we think about the uh the korean guy and he's just like this crazy yeah. dude with a haircut who's just blowing off bombs right. left and right and he's just a lunatic and we don't know much past that we're just like oh that guy's the lunatic with the crazy haircut like i really i wonder if that's what the other countries now think of our president like he's the lunatic with the crazy <laughs> haircut <laughs> probably well that's the really scary thing is like you know this whole north korea thing is, you know that guy's a complete lunatic over there and he's a lunatic that has nuclear weapons. Yeah. And now they have, like, launch capabilities to at least, like, launch them as far as Japan. Yeah. And, or, you know, threaten Guam. So it's like, you would hope that we had some, like, leadership that you would could go to bed at night and be like, well, you know, at least Reagan's got his hand on the button or whatever. Or his advisors. Like, you feel good about it. But, like, we're led by the guy that was the fucking host of The Apprentice. Yeah. I mean, he's got people around him like, you know, Mattis and Kelly and whatever. So hopefully, like, you know, they're they're running the show. But it's like, God almighty, this makes you nervous because you got, you know, if Kim Jong-un sent a tweet at Trump and been like, your hair looks awful, got you know, Trump could escalate things into a third world war. Yeah, we're like, what, eight and a half months in? Has this been better, worse, or exactly what you expected so far? Um, I would say it's probably exactly what I expected. I hoped for better. Like, I hoped that he would just be a figurehead and the brains would run things. But he, he's been he's been as hands-on as I feared he would be and, like, you know, too far too active and just making a mess of things and showing how ill-suited he is for the job. So it's not – I can't say it's surprising because I said it for a year during the election, you know? I actually think it's it's been worse, in my opinion. Really? Maybe I maybe I was uh, naively optimistic. Yeah, maybe. It's I I wasn't prepared for the week to week 
just being yeah, being like terrified. Yeah, turnovers in the White House and everything. And yeah. just, you don't know what he's capable of, you know, any day of the week. It's re- it's really something. It's it's the only comparable experience I've ever had is like having a, a crazy sports owner owning one of your teams, right? Yeah. I and mean, that's just sports. Right. Who cares? But right. But so the repercussions uh, are far less dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it's like oh, whatever. My team sucks, but it's that that feeling of helplessness when your team's being poorly run, and that feels like the whole country is like that. No, it's the country. Uh, well, uh, the good news is that Aaron Judge's career is going to be over soon. Johnny, uh, <laughs> oh, God. Johnny, will you still root for him in Columbus? Oh, uh, sure. Scranton. They don't play in Columbus anymore. Oh, Scr- Scranton. They're at Scranton. Is that closer to you? Well, if he goes down to Double A, I can watch him play here in Hartford against the Hartford Yard Goats. Oh, uh, that would be good. You get a picture. Double A. Maybe yeah. get a picture with That'd him. That'd be good. You tell your kids <laughs> like one day Aaron Judge <laughs> had thirty homers in the first half of the season and won the home run derby, and then and then everything turned. Well, Johnny, right. Uh, right. as this Apple Watch scandal keeps going, we I promise to to have you on again, and and you can Excellent. have your cake and eat it on the BS podcast. <laughs> a pleasure as always. Sounds good. See you, buddy. All right. All right. We're going to talk to the new rookie sensation Chargers kicker in one second. But first, from a gambling standpoint, we're going to remember the 2010s as the decade when live betting took off. And where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Here's an idea go to mybookie.ag. They've been in this business for years, their reputation is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payout. Seriously, just two business days. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Uh, Lay down some cash. Try to win big today. Join now. MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Just visit mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Bill Simmons to activate the offer. You play. You win. You get paid. MyBookie. Dot ag. All right, in studio, Young Wei Koo. Did I say it right? Yes, sir. You did. Because it's it's the Amer. I know the American spelling screws up how people are right. actually. Yeah, Young right. Wei. I I don't know if you realize how excited people are about about this whole thing that's going on. You must be sensing some of it, right? Yeah, I mean that for sure. Um, um, I just made my Twitter less than a year ago, and it's blowing up. And uh, my my parents, my dad's in Korea, and he's. He's getting the attention, so it's been it's been crazy. Your dad's still in Korea. Yeah, he lives there. So uh, is he gonna be able to see the games? Yeah, um, he comes here uh, in the summer and winter for about a month and a half, two months, every year. So, so you moved here sixth grade, right? Sixth How grade. much English could you speak when you moved here? Zero. Zero. And you, Ridgewood, New Jersey, which is coincidentally where my dad is from. Really? So I've spent I've spent uh, many a weekend in Ridgewood. Just wow. a random all American. Okay. City, suburbs, trees, the whole thing. Okay. And then you go to the south for college. So mm-hmm. are you do you consider yourself a northerner or a southerner? I don't know. Um I I've been used to change now. Um I've been picking up things along the way. Um, especially South Georgia. I picked up yes ma'am, no ma'am. All kind of, you know, different stuff. So did you must have obviously been a good athlete when you were a kid. Yeah, so I grew what, up playing there's no way you were playing football. Yeah, I mean, I grew up playing sports in Korea when I was there. Um, basketball, soccer, baseball, you name it, I was playing. But football was not one of them because it wasn't popular there. Um, yeah. So it was the first time I actually got to know football or saw an actual football was here in New Jersey. 
So when did you decide, hey, it would be fun if I kicked this thing and got on a team? It was uh, during a lunch break, and kids were playing two-hand touch football. And, uh, you know, they said, uh, you know, punt it because they knew I play soccer to kick it off. And they saw me punt the ball, and they were like, oh, man, like, <laughs> look at this kid. Like, <laughs> you should come out and play football with us. And that's how I got into a, to sign up for football. So what grade are you in at this point? That was uh, seventh grade. Seventh grade. Yeah. So how much English could you speak at that point? Uh, nothing. Um, sports really got me out there. Yeah. Um, without sports, I wouldn't be who I am, um, where I am in terms of football or life. So um, sports really got me out there to, you know, um, meet new friends um, and learn a new culture. I'm looking back at it. Language was the easier part. Culture was the harder part. You know, I was in ESL for the first two years. And then my friends, you know, when I would say something wrong, they would, you know, pronounce it wrong. They would sit, sit me down and they would tell me, like, you know, this is how you say it and stuff like that. So it was, yeah. So were you on the team in, like, ninth grade, 10th grade? When did you make varsity? Ninth grade. Um, I actually started with the freshman team because I grew up playing. Um, you know, I played offense, defense in middle school, so we were just playing all kinds of positions. And then freshman year, I had a decision to make because uh, coach wanted me to compete for the starting kicking spot yeah, for the varsity team, but I wanted to play different positions with my friends. Right. So uh, I think about three games in, I, I, I got moved up to a varsity my freshman year. And so like, what was the first time you made a 50-yarder? Were you in high school um, or was that after? In middle school, there were no field goals. Yeah. It was just kickoffs. And then I actually um, kicked the field goal freshman year. Um, I guess freshman year, that's when I was kicking, you know, 50-something, stuff like that. Oh, so you already in ninth grade, you were kicking 50. Um, I, I don't think I really knew um, the concept there, but yeah. I mean, we were kicking off the blocks freshman year. Um, you know, we couldn't, we didn't kick off the ground then. Right. But, yeah. What about, like, just uh, kicking off and then going chase down people, getting hit, trying to get um, tackles, all that stuff? I think all this stuff came from uh, me transitioning from playing with my friends, different positions. And then uh, now just kicking off at a varsity level, but I still wanted to play different positions. So, <laughs> right, only, so you got to take it out. Yeah, the only chance I got to really run around was on kickoff. Yeah. So I think that's just carried over uh, until now. And you know, so you're you're trying to get the coach to do a trick play. Um, Give me a trick play. Throw me a lateral. I uh, I tried uh, in college <laughs> for sure, but uh, we never did anything like that. But now you know, Coach Stewart, he tells me on kickoff you see a hole open up you go fill it so that's, yeah. that's what i've been doing so as you're going through this with the football team in high school and the culture of football and just seeing how guys interact in the locker room and all the toughness and mm-hmm. there's a slight military aspect of football mm-hmm. follow the instructions right like what are your observations as you're just kind of learning this whole new um thing? i'm, I'm kind of used to it now yeah. um i learned it uh i got used to that environment i guess high school in high school um what was the biggest thing you were surprised about as you were kind of learning what works and doesn't work? Um, well, back then, locker room was the least of my worries, you know? Yeah. Um, back then, it was like, what am I doing after school? But I didn't know how to go about it. I didn't know how to ask people, you know, like, what do you do after school? Yeah. Because uh, I didn't know how to say it physically. I didn't know how to speak that language. So I was just... You know, trying to, you know, say, what do you do? You know, what do you guys do at your free time? Because I'm just going home after after school and I didn't know what people did after school or anything like that. Yeah. So that's what I was focused on. But when I got used to that outside of football 
and that locker room transition was easier for me. Did you were there other Korean kids in the high school that you were yeah, able to hang out? I actually with? had a at a fr- Korean friend first first couple months that uh, you know assist me through classes to actually put me in classes with him so that he can translate things. So it was it was interesting. And how often were you going back, or were you just in America the whole time? Uh, I I haven't been back since I got I came here. Really? Yeah. Not once. No. And how many times has your dad been here? Uh. Twice a year. Yeah? Yeah. What made you move here? My mom's a nurse, and I think that she just uh, saw an opportunity, and then uh, they, my parents decided that um, it, it might be, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity for us. So my mom moved here when, when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. So by herself, actually. And then I joined her in sixth grade. Do you, are you an only child? Yeah, I'm an only child. Oh, me too. Yeah. So what, when so high school, like around 11th, 12th grade, your English is good at that point? Uh, or was it th- not freshman to college? year? Freshman year, okay. In high school, yeah, I was fine. Um, it took me about that's amazing. Two and a half. Three I can years. barely speak English, and it's my only language. <laughs> I can barely get the words out sometimes. Yeah, I mean, my whole mentality was, I guess, just adapt and improvise. Yeah. So I guess I've been doing that until now. That's why I have a little bit of a southern accent, and my friends tell me uh, <laughs> we're just picking things up along the way. Um, when did you start to realize you could play in college? Were um, you getting scouted? What was going that's on? That's actually, uh, see, coming out of middle school in New Jersey, both uh, football and soccer were in fall sports going in high school. Yeah. So me and my parents had to make a decision coming out of middle school, like, which one are we going to go with? Oh, so you knew you were that good at that point? Um, no, because um, I, I had to make a decision, which sport do I want to play? And yeah. my middle school coach was my teammate's dad uh came to my house and actually told my dad you know like he has a future in this yeah because my dad actually looked at it as like you're just kicking a football what do you mean you know right but my middle school coach actually like explained to my dad you know you can get a scholarship and you can't have a future in this so i gotta give i gotta thank him for explaining that to my dad so we chose the football route and then it worked out and you ended up at georgia southern but you almost what was the other school you almost ended james up at? madison um, James Madison, I had an offer from there. And then uh, I went to college camps and stuff like that going into my senior year in high school. Um, that's when I got some, you know, letters and stuff like that. But only offers I had was James Madison and Georgia Southern came in the picture late. Yeah. But um, head coach uh, Jeff Munkin at the time came to my high school to tell me that he's offering a full scholarship. And I've never seen a head coach at a kicker's high school to offer, you know, a right. full scholarship. So I was like, okay. I took a visit down there with my parents, me and my dad and my mom. My dad was there at the time, and I fell in love with it. Did, did, were you getting written about at this point? Like, were you not a sensation, obviously, but obviously this kid who comes from Korea in the sixth grade and he's kicking, he's getting college scholarships. Like, that's a good story for the local newspaper. Mm-hmm. So people must have been writing about you, right? Yeah, locally for sure. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, were you Obviously. like a celebrity in high school? A um, little bit? No, no, not like that. I mean, we were a huge uh, lacrosse school. Yeah. So we had, we were you know producing ten plus uh, D one lacrosse kids every year. So, but um, football wise, I think I'm one of the few that got a full scholarship to D one. But um, nothing like this. You know. Right. <laughs> What's the biggest kick you made in college? What's the highest pressure kick you made? Um, it was uh. I'll say Georgia my junior year. We went to overtime. 
but uh, it was in the fourth quarter. Um, I had to put us up by three, and then the Georgia kicker made a field goal as well, so we went to overtime. But so, but that atmosphere was was something different. Like what? You got like seventy, eighty thousand people there. I think it was around ninety thousand. Wow. Packed out and went to overtime as well, and uh, you know, a bunch of Georgia Southern students are from Atlanta area. Yeah. So it was, it was a great atmosphere. So. How many times have you played in a stadium of more than like 30,000 people? Um, like less than 10? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were playing in these NFL preseason games, Liz, what, where, where were your two road games? Because the LA uh, stadium One was small. Uh, the Coliseum. Yeah. Oh, and, that was a big one. Yeah. And the other, other one filled. was uh, 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you just your processes just go out do the same thing I did every time that don't don't see all everything around me right pregame I just go out there and I I look around you know yeah. before the game I look around and just soak it in there you know because it's a big stadium and all but you know I've I've been at places like that in college as well um, so I just look around before pregame and then when the game time come I just block everything out and just focus on the field you know so so the nerves are not going to be a problem. No, I mean you have to you have to embrace it, you know. Yeah. As a kicker, pressure is definitely there. I mean, no matter what position, um, pressure is definitely there. But you have to learn to embrace it, not to run away from it. Why do you think? So I that that follows up to my next question. Why do you think some kickers just lose it in like a year? Like we've seen NFL kickers, they'll be awesome. Then they'll go on a bad stretch. Then they'll come back. Like what? What is it about that position? Why are there so many swings? Um, I don't, I'm not sure. But I mean, I think it's uh, kicking is really all mental. I think because um, a lot of people can kick a football. Yeah, you know, six yards, seven yards. There are a lot of people with strong legs out there, but when it comes down to kicking, uh, good kickers and you know decent kickers, I think what separates them is the mental toughness. Um, you know, like Justin Tucker or, you know, one of the best out there right now, I think. So he's got to be the one to point to, right? Justin um, Tucker? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he does. I mean, everyone's different, obviously, how to how to deal with pressure and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, you, it's just like golf. You know, I don't know if you play golf. But yeah. you do a little thing wrong, then you start, like, getting in your head. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? It's like, okay, let me do this, do that. I throw my clubs. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's, I don't it, handle pressure very well. <laughs> it's exactly like that. <laughs> So, you know, golf and kicking is basically goes hand in hand in terms of, you know, techniques or mental wise. That's the best comparison I can make. Was it weird? You, you know, they obviously had a kicker. They had Lambo already and you're competing for his job, but you guys are hanging out all the time. Was that your first experience with that? Where In terms of competing? Yeah, you're competing. But also, like, if you win, this guy all of a sudden doesn't have a job and you're interacting with him. That must have been a little strange. Um, I mean, no, uh, I competed in college all throughout my uh, college career. Um, right. But those guys stay in college. If, right, right. Right. You know what I mean? But it was me starting and him sitting on the bench. So right. in a sense, it was kind of yeah, the same that makes idea. Sense. Um, you know, but when did uh, you think you had a chance? I never, um, throughout OTAs preseason during camp, I didn't think about, you know, Oh, I think I got this or not. I didn't, you know, if I had a bad practice or good practice, I didn't think, you know, in the past or the future. I just thought about what I had to do that day. And I think at the end of the day, all those days stacked up. You realize you hit the lottery being in L.A., right? <laughs> yeah. I think I can't. I can't are, you, are you aware of the Koreatown food scene? Mm-mm, no, 
I haven't been able to explore too much. So yet. I have some. I have some. I mean, we talked about this before we started taping the pod, but you know, the Asian sports fan community. This is one of the most exciting things that's happened this decade mm-hmm. for them. And they could. We had Donnie Kwok who is Korean American who works for our site, who's one of uh-huh. our key people. He wrote a piece yesterday about you saying, if people had known you made the team three weeks ago when everyone's doing the fantasy drafts, it would have been like a bidding war if, <laughs> if there were multiple Koreans in the draft. Like, there's people are just fired up. And right. you must be able to feel that now with your Twitter feed and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I'm one of the few uh, Korean-born NFL players it's like you're the fourth, I think, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah I've heard. Uh, it's 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 awesome. I mean, it's it's hum- it's that's where I'm from. Um, just looking back, you know, where I came from and all that stuff. I love it. Um, you know, just representing where I'm from and just having the support from uh, from Korea and all those people. It's 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 a great feeling. David Chang, who's uh, one of the most famous chefs here who has been on this podcast a bunch of times in our food podcast. He's, he's adopting you. <laughs> he's opening a restaurant in LA, but he's saying, tell that dude I'm taking him out and feeding him. And we're doing it out. He wants to take you. Koreatown's like the best food scene in America right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this, I don't know how many blocks, but it's like, it's, it's like legendary. I have some questions. Some of my friends asked some questions. Okay. Um, who who were your athletic idols growing up in South Korea and then here? Um, South Korea, when I was there, we were uh, in the World Cup. I think we went to the semifinals or something like that. And I grew up, you know, playing soccer and I watched soccer. Um, wasn't too big into baseball. So I remember just watching soccer players. Then um, uh, I forgot what his name was. Park. He was with um, Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, so, I remember him. Uh, yeah, so I, I watched him growing up in Korea. What about when you came here? When I came here... Because um, you're wearing a Yankee hat right now, which I, it hurt my feeling. I'm a Red Sox fan. It hurt my feelings <laughs> a little bit, but I'm over it. <laughs> um, here, I don't know. Um, I don't really have like a big sports idol. It's here. hard to have like a field goal kicker idol. Right. Um, you know... Although Justin Tucker would be the best one to have because I like how he, I like his bravado with yeah. playing that position. Like we ran a piece about him last month. Like he really wants to hit a 70 yarder. Yeah. It's like his dream in life. He's planned it out. He knows he can do it. Yeah. And like yeah. I like the way he carries himself. Yeah. His confidence level is, you know, awesome right now and he's playing great. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you need as a kicker. I'm a Patriots fan, and we had terrible kickers my entire life. And then we got Adam Vinatieri, who's one of the great clutch right. kickers ever. And then he left for the Colts. They replaced him with Goskowski, who's also – I've had like 20 years of good kickers, but a lot of football fans cannot say the same. <laughs> when, you know, you you know, you, yeah. you can have some frustrating moments. Um, here's another one. You're only a rookie. It already seems like Korean Americans are gravitating toward him since there's so few Korean Americans in pro sports, do you already feel like a role model? Um, no, definitely not. Um, well, it's happening. I hate to break it. Right. Um, (laughs) I mean, for me, I have to focus on what I got to do on the field because in reality, I haven't done anything yet. You know, I haven't played a real game yet. Yeah. So for me to say, I feel like a role, I haven't, I haven't done anything. So, um, you know, I've, 
I got to focus on what I have to do on the field so mm-hmm. I can, you know, do this for a long time, hopefully. Kickers notoriously scapegoated on social media. Do you worry about social media being a kicker? Um, we're talking about the video? Just I mean, Well, that In was general. great for you. The video was like the... <laughs> I mean, that, that, I got that sent 20 times to me. It seemed like that went all over the place. Now, like, when the first time you mess up a kick or something, like, right. are you going to read your replies? I mean, no. I mean... I would say don't read your replies during the season. I didn't have... advice. So, for me, mentally, whether I miss a kick or make a kick, I try to have, I guess, limited emotions, I guess I should yeah. say. Because I don't want to get too hyped about a good moment when there's a there you know there will be a bad moment so i don't go on this roller coaster ride so mentally i just try to stay level-headed so that's the golfer mentality that's jordan speech right Right. same thing that's what uh i don't know if you watch tennis but federer almost lost to this american in the first round Mm -hmm. tiafo and the guy uh he's 19 year old american the crowd was going nuts but he broke federer in the fifth set and instead of being like like he was like fist right. pumping and running, and I was like, "Oh no, he's too excited!" Like, because yeah. in tennis you really have to kind right. of manage it. And I would say golf's like that, and kicking's got to be like that too. Right. Um, someone started a fake Instagram account using your name. Are you going to try to monitor? You you need somebody to monitor this stuff. <laughs> yeah, my friend sent uh, sent me a couple screenshots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I would well, monitor all these fake accounts. You never know with all this stuff. Um, have you encountered racism on the football field in high school or college? Um, I don't. I mean, I don't. I try not not to pay attention to it. All I try to pay, uh, pay attention to was just the brotherhood that I had with my teammates, and you know, just have fun out there. Because um, it's not really about only game day, but what built that friendship, um, relationships were off the field. You know, off the field stuff, working out together, whatever yeah. that may be. So, you know, I tr- I just tried to focus on the positives and just have fun as much as I can. Were you aware of Lynn's sanity in 2012? And if so, are you ready for coup sanity? <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I mean, well, I was in New Jersey when all that uh, happened. And yeah, I it was remember, close. I remember seeing shirts everywhere, Lynn's sanity and all this stuff. So it was that was amazing. But uh, you know, he he. He earned that, you know. He hit a couple game winning shots. Um, he was awesome for he like played three well. weeks. Yeah, right. He kind of was stealing the team for Carmelo. I think Carmelo's <laughs> like, we got to get this guy out of here. Yes, I mean he he earned that. And like I said before, I haven't I haven't you know done much yet. So. Well, if you do something, I think I right. think good, somewhere good down stuff's the road going to happen. Yeah. So have you like found a place in L.A. Are you going through that whole thing now? I'm doing that right now. I actually haven't found a place yet. So uh, you know. It's been kind of crazy, and you know, per, and a strange for a season for the Chargers in general because they moved two hours. Right, everybody's um, trying to probably find a place or decide whether they're living in San Diego or moving here and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it was exciting though. Um, I was there in San Diego for the OTAs, so I I got used to that area. But um, we knew that we we're moving to LA for uh, for good. So, uh, you know, but. I'm telling you, you hit the jackpot. <laughs> the weather's beautiful. Right. There's a bunch of great places to eat. Like, hey, you're just, this is a good place. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to find out. You know. I have to ask you one thing about, one political thing, like the stuff that's going on in Korea. Are you, mm-hmm. Your dad, you said your dad's still in South Korea. Are you still monitoring that? Are you worried about that? What's your take on that? 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's been going on for a long time now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I talked to my dad about it, and my parents kind of informed me on what's going on as well. Uh, you know, I think, I think, like my dad said, it's been going on for so long that people are kind of used to it over there, not right. as of a big deal as it's over here. Yeah. But um, you never know, you know. So, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what's gonna happen or anything, but hopefully, hopefully it'll be uh, settled soon. When is he coming here to see you play? Uh, when we make the playoffs, because he'll be here in January. I have hopefully. good news for you. You, I actually picked you guys to make the playoffs. That's. Okay. I think that I think the Chargers are gonna be good this year. Yeah, well, they really do. I, I thought last year they just had an incredible amount of bad luck. Yeah. Um, injuries bad luck in close games it was the team might be moving might not be moving and right. it's just like it was one of those year from hell seasons yeah and uh and this year would be better have you met all of phil rivers's kids yet no he's got like 15 <laughs> kids <laughs> no. i've never chance. he seriously it. has like how many kids does he have uh, he's, eight. he's got eight kids yeah. <laughs> you should maybe you could babysit on tuesdays <laughs> did phil rivers move here what did he do is he in san diego uh, he's still saying it's too many kids. He can't find a house for all those kids in L.A. Who's what teammate have you bonded with the most? Um, the rookie class, really, because uh, we were there for extra three weeks um, during the OTAs after yeah. the vets have uh, gone home, home and stuff. Uh, we were there working out together. Um, we were all in the same shoes, you know. We didn't know what was going to happen. Right. We were just putting everything we could out there. So I bonded with a bunch of rookies, definitely. Who's your holder? Um, uh, Drew, Drew Kayser. Do we like him? Yeah, I love him. him Mike, snapper, uh, Mike. Nice Wayne. guy. Does he yeah. give you shit when you mess up? Uh, no, I mean, structured criticism. <laughs> I, I'm always the holder kicker relationship. Always. Yeah, I mean, you, always you have to trust him. To me. You have to trust him, and it's accountability thing um, with the three. The operation, you know, the snapper and the holder. I can't control that. It's Who's the snapper? Mike went. Um, it's been it's his eighth year coming up, I think, and just to have it, have the knowledge then and just be able to follow him. Take um, those guys out for meals. Yeah. Those guys, you need those guys. Yeah. Those are your two guys. Definitely. Plus, you guys are going to score points this year, I think. The Chargers. Yeah. I think you're going to get some chances. Oh, yeah. I was surprised. I had my fantasy draft last night. We have 10 teams. And I was surprised you didn't get picked because I thought the Chargers were going to have a top 10 offense. Maybe rookie kicker bias in our, <laughs> in our fantasy league. But... Uh, but I, I do think they're going to score some points. Yeah, I mean, we have great players. Isn't it weird that you're playing in a soccer field? You kind of merge both worlds. <laughs> yeah, it is. You're playing is in a soccer funny. stadium. It's yeah. like, how many seats is it going to be? 27,000. 27,000. That's just like... Uh, it's like 40,000 less than, I think, any other stadium. Yeah, that's just like Georgia Southern. That's Georgia, good for you. Georgia Southern held 27. It's just like, feels just like home. So, so your first game is in Denver, mm-hmm. Monday night, altitude. Mm-hmm. Have you kicked an altitude like that no, before? But I've heard the ball flies a little farther. It's like five extra yards. Yeah. I went to just randomly, I went to a Broncos Patriots game in the late nineties and Jason Elam kicked a sixty three yarder okay. at the game and we were midfield watching it and it seemed like he kicked it two hundred and seventy <laughs> yards. It was insane to watch, but it definitely carries. Like I yeah. think you're gonna enjoy it. National T V, people are gonna be talking about you. Um, what celebrity do you wanna meet? Are you single? Uh, no, I have a girlfriend. You have a girlfriend? Yeah. From college? High school. High school? Yeah. How many years? Uh, about eight and a half. Eight and a half years? Yeah. What does she think of all this? 
um you know i try to fill it in so she can be a part of, you know feel the experience as well um i don't know she came out here for a preseason game as well um you know we're just we're just excited for this opportunity and just kind of tate we finally found somebody who's dating somebody longer than you congratulations tate's tate's got high school girlfriend college college Tate's like five five plus years in eight and a half years. Yeah, I mean she's she's been a uh, she's been supporting me for a long time. Oh, her head's um, got to be spinning. <laughs> Just wait till Monday night if if you make a big kick or something. <laughs> um, well, we're all rooting for you. You have David Chang is taking you out for a meal, so we got to put that on the calendar. I'm I know excited. that's happening. I'm excited. I think this is this is. I can't believe you made the team. I read yeah. the story and I was like, ah, Lambo was pretty good life, but, yeah. but it just seemed like you, you took it. Um, I forgot to ask you about the coach. What's he like? Coach Stewart, the special teams coach? No, the, the head coach. The head coach? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's, his presence, I mean, you just feel Because he's new coach. Yeah. Um, Has mean, he yelled at you yet? No, no. No, not yet. Not once? No. On a kickoff out of bounds or anything? No, uh, Coach Stewart actually handles all that stuff for us. So he's yelled at you? Uh, yeah, maybe a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's good, though. Um, he uh, he's, he's great for me um, for a uh, mental side of things. Um, he's been coaching for a long time, 30-plus yeah. years, I believe, um, just to have that knowledge around me and just to, uh, you know, coach me and not just the kicking side but just how to deal with stuff and how to be a professional and all this is it's huge for me you don't play the patriots this year right i don't think you do uh we do you yeah. do yeah. what what week is that uh, after denver all right i'm not gonna root against i'm gonna root against you during the patriots game but uh, <laughs> all the other games i'm gonna be i'm gonna be rooting for you i forgot you were playing ugh that's not here though. That's in New England. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I don't wish you luck for Week Eight, but the rest of the way, I wish you luck. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate. Congratulations it. on everything. Thank this you. is an amazing story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's it for the BS Pod this week. We have another one coming on Friday. Don't forget about SeatGeek. Twenty dollars off if it's your first time purchasing NFL tickets on SeatGeek. Use promo code BS. NFL. And again, check out my Facebook page or maybe the Ringer's Facebook page. We're going to put up the seven charities that uh, Shea Serrano mentioned earlier in the podcast that we're donating to and we would love if you guys could help out too, if you haven't already. That's it. We'll be back on Friday.